Hey everybody, Scott Malcolm here from Money Mechanics. Just a quick message to say, any information that we share during this podcast is general information only. Please do not act on that information without considering the appropriateness towards your specific needs and outcomes. Ideally, we suggest that you go and meet with a financial planner and get personal advice. Hi, folks, and welcome to our next amazing episode of Looking Under the Hood, where we are unpacking the money stuff. Debt is one of those very interesting things in that we all were born into this financial system. And so our habits, attitudes, behaviors, and how, I guess, comfortable we are with different things are really important. And debt is one of those big elements. I'm Scott Malcolm, and I am excited to have with me today mortgage broker extraordinaire Phoebe Blamey from Clover Financial. Today, I really want to just unpack the mortgage broking process, a little I don't know, tips and traps around how borrowing money works. Should we start by talking a bit about what a mortgage broker does as opposed to you going to the bank by yourself? Because I think more and more people are turning to mortgage brokers and certainly the the stats that we get from the bank so that most of their business is now introduced to through mortgage brokers. But there's also other online platforms to be getting into your lending. And why would you come to a mortgage broker over going to an online platform, for instance, um, is something that really interests me because pretty much you don't have to. Like if, yeah. you're, if you're a reasonably straightforward human and you're PAYG earning, you know, working for someone else, you're not self-employed, you don't, nothing amazing is happening with your income. It's just you just get paid every week, month or fortnight and you've got some savings and you've got a fairly low loan-to-value ratio of your house, then those online lenders are just perfect for you. They're made for you. The reason that most people come to a mortgage broker is because they're a little bit more complex than that or they're a little bit more risk-averse. They feel that there's a whole lot of stuff that they don't know. There Mm. probably isn't. It's not that complicated. But when you're buying a house, everyone's got an opinion and because everyone's got an opinion, it can be really hard to work out what's actually golden and what's actually not golden. I think that's one of the main reasons that people come to me, and I've certainly had a lot of first home buyers during this COVID period come to me, just because we can be quite straight, we can give a lot of information, and I think give people the comfort that we've got their back. Yeah, especially um, the first time someone's going through that process, exactly. be it the first time you're buying a house or the first time you're buying mm. investment property, there are so many unknown unknowns. And so it's so true to have the support of someone like yourself to yeah. guide through that process. And Phoebe, I did mean to ask you as well, it's been my question I've asked all my guests who have been coming along, but what's one of your early and joyful or happy memories when it comes to the money stuff? For my own self personally, I think it was when I came back from Europe and I was poor, I was just, I had no money. And I came back and I was on the single parents pension for a while and I got a job actually at NAB and I saved up enough money to buy my first car. That's <laughs> could, exciting. Could, yeah, it was pretty exciting. I was pretty pumped about that. That difference between having someone do for you and doing it yourself. Yeah, like, fantastic. And especially if you're coming out of a, a transition or a transitional mm. period like that. I ask that question just so people can start to think about their own money history and, and some mm. of the things that may have set them up over time. That's such but, a good idea. You're so yeah. good at that mind money connection. It's yeah. just one of the things I really like about the way that you do business, Scott, is that you're always about that 
what your mind's like as well as what your actions are. You've really got to dig deep into your own attitudes to work stuff out. Again, even with the debt stuff, especially, look, I've, I've had mm-hmm. clients roll, roll into my office and you've probably seen people as well where they might be sitting there with a few million dollars worth of debt secured against an investment portfolio. And then you talk to them about their risk profile or how risk averse they are. And they're like, oh, no, no, we're, we're really cautious. Like we're risk averse. We don't want to be taking on risk. Whereas other people who haven't got that amount of debt might be sitting there going, Whoa, what are you talking about? A million dollar worth of debt? That's scary. Or you've you've got investment property, you've got a got an investment portfolio, you've got debt secured against that. That feels yeah. scary for me. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think I've been dealing with a bit lately when I've been looking at first hmm. home buyers, because we use the ability to say put their parents in as guarantors and the parents yeah, yeah. have paid off their home and they've got their title. And it's hmm. such a big thing to sort of say to them, so we'll need that title. <laughs> Yeah, you're handing that back. So as a mortgage broker, so firstly, say first home buyer, but then also maybe from a first time investor or or investor perspective, like what are some of the things that you see that are helpful or harmful uh, in regards to how people do stuff? I think, yeah, it's a really good question. So I think part of our actual process is we get everyone's financial information and we go through it with a fine tooth comb. So we use Mm. particular systems and software that give us quite a lot of access to be able to see how the clients spend their money and we do credit checks and we can see how they're paying back their debt and all that sort of stuff. And people can be in some quite frightening situations. They can also be in some really good situations. But Mm. one client that we had a whole lot of trouble with because, yes, she'd saved money, but she'd moved it between accounts while she was saving it. So we had to kind of get it and track it to show the bank where it had come from and where it was because genuine savings for first-time buyers, you've got to prove it. Had a client once who had 24 different loans for 24 different investment properties because their previous wow. broker didn't like to cross securitize things. Mm. And they're all due on a different day. Wow. It just it made banking hard. It made yeah. the whole thing hard. But also they weren't able to avail of any of the discounts that you get from borrowing a lot of money. Mm. I restructured their debt over three different lenders and we could release from being used as security, we could release three or four properties. Yeah, wow. That own them. And that's where I guess that, that structure is so important. And so if, if people are listening and they're, say, looking to get into their first home, I think some of that stuff you're talking about, like the, the banks or, or lenders are requiring a lot more of a forensic look at people's situation. Is, is that a fair assessment? Forensic, yes. And also different lenders have different policies and also different lenders have different ways of looking at things. Yeah. So they'll have the same policy, but they'll have a completely different way of going about it. One of the things that a, a really good broker knows is how to define which bank is going to be the best motivational fit for which client based on not just the interest rate, because the interest rate mm. overall, not that important. Looking at the difference in interest rate between lenders over a couple of years, it's like looking at a plate of spaghetti. They're all up mm. and down and all over the place. Yeah, Someone's looking for more business, so they go really low, and then someone else is just, they're okay, so they don't. And yeah. yeah, it's very much about policy and product for me, making sure that the thing that we get our clients into is the right fit. Yeah, and, and I really like your approach in that it's about the strategy as well and getting the structuring mm. right. So for first home, we've talked before around building up equity, say, for a first home buyer so they then can potentially leverage on to their, their next investment or their next home. And mm. so that structuring stuff is really important. Yeah. So, I mean, think about structuring something because the current, and I'm no tax advisor, but the current 
rule with the ATO is that you can't borrow any more against that property if you bought your first home and it's a two-bedroom flat and suddenly you want to change that into an investment property and buy something yeah. big and luxurious to live in because you've got a family and your circumstances have changed. I'm so excited you just said that, Phoebe, because I've seen clients over the years who've seen brokers and the broker's gone and said, oh, yeah, just re-borrow against it and then that's tax deductible. I'm like, whoa. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Like, no. This was many years ago, so, but, yeah, it's... Um, um, yeah, but the, the one bank system is also something that the ATO has access to so they can see what you're doing. So I'd pretty much be encouraging anyone that's got that as a strategy to be potentially looking at offset accounts rather than making as many and as much extra repayments straight into the home loan. When we're talking offset, just to unpack that a little bit further, what's your easy way to break that down? And offset accounts normally come with a package for most lenders. So there can be higher fees on these sort of accounts mm. or there can be higher fees associated with having those packages than you have on a basic loan. But the advantage it gives you is that advantage. You can have all your savings sitting in one account and your home loans over here. You say you've got $100,000 owing on your home loan, but you've got $10,000 in your offset account. You're only paying interest on $90,000. Some banks also, against their fixed rates, have partial offset where a predetermined amount is set on that money as what you would have got in savings. So mm. in the same example, partial offset works where you might have a 2% interest rate on your home loan, but mm. they're using a, a savings rate of 0.9 of a percent. So you only pay 1.1 on that $10,000. Yeah, on that debt. Yeah, okay. It's a reduced yeah. amount and it part, then that's mm. partial offset, which yeah. is quite handy. The lenders that offer it, I'm a big fan of because I think fixed rates in themselves can be quite restrictive. So that, That's probably another minefield. And as you say, the real benefit of that offset is to be able to withdraw the money. I always say to people, if you pay off a mortgage, you're redrawing money from that. So it's that mm. redraw mechanism that the ATO then goes, well, what, mm. what was the purpose of that money? Whereas mm. the offset allows you to withdraw your yeah. own money back and you've yeah. got a bit more flexibility around it. So I guess that's where the, the structure is yeah. right. And you've just led into, Phoebe, um, taking us on that journey to interest rates and that's probably the other loaded question when it comes to mortgages to, to fix or not to fix. Look, I've, I've got an opinion on that and you've probably got one and there's probably about a, a thousand different other opinions on that too. Really? So in, in the market at the moment, there's a few different lenders and they've got rates at like 1.94 and yeah, wow. 1.99 over a four-year fixed period. So wow. I really do think that, that fixed rates are a little like betting against the house. And I, when I started in mortgage broking back in 2007, so quite some time ago, I had clients that were really happy to fix in at point nine at nine percent because mm. it was such a great rate. I had clients that were happy to fix in at five percent because it was such a great rate. And I pretty much always, I think, when I unless some circumstance would dictate to do differently, recommended to clients that they split between a fixed and a variable rate. Mm. Um, only because fixed rates are restrictive, you're very limited in what you can repay, and there are break frees on breaking them early. Because there's a cost to the lender if you break them early. Yeah. yeah. Look, I often say to people as well, the, the bank never loses on these things. So uh, I think I was having a conversation with someone the other day about, are we fixing loans? Or, oh, my partner just made me fix the loan because the rate was so good, but they, they fixed it at 3% sort of 
six months ago and now they're going oh now we can get as you say 1.99 and so look it it can work really well if you're on a fixed cash flow Mm. like if you're actually buying your first house or buying your first investment property and you want to know right here's my repayment here's what's going to happen that can be a really good way to structure yeah, it. Yeah, people with potential to travel overseas, if you're working out of Australia mm. or you're earning income in a different currency, those sort of things, are, they're, they're good reasons to fix as well because then you can balance out, you know exactly what yeah. you're doing all the time and you don't have to worry about overthinking things. But they're, they're the sort of circumstances where I get people to fix. When people are going to a bank, there's all this jargon, I guess, that comes along mm-hmm. with the lending money process. So you said before, loan to value ratios. What do banks look at? And I guess, how does that all form part of the picture and the process that people are looking at yep. when they're borrowing? They look at your character, so who you are. They look at your capacity to repay, your, how much you earn. Yeah. And they look at your what your security is and how much security you're using. So... To just dig a little bit deeper into that, your character is your credit score. It's Mm. how you make your repayments. And one of the things that positive credit reporting, so unless you've actually done an application for credit in the last couple of years, you may not know about that, but positive credit reporting gives all the information about all of your repayment history on all of your debts. And it is very important to note because... People give people the wrong information about this all the time. Afterpay and zip pay are credit facilities. Mm. Very yeah. important because, yeah, missed payments on anything are reported on your credit file. Having your repayments in good order is very important. Telcos and electricity companies are also credit facilities, so make sure you're paying your phone bill back on time. Um, if you get into any sort of dispute with a credit provider, keep careful notes and try and mm. get anything wiped. Your capacity to repay is the second thing that they will look at, which Mm. is just basically how much you earn. Now, different lenders will load an interest rate differently. So ING, I think at the moment, are are still looking at people being able to repay it as if the rate's 8%. Most of the lenders at the moment are around 5.5% or 6% Mm. because rates are so low. They don't go go right down because they don't want Mm. to put people at the risk of if there's sudden spikes in interest rates. They need to make sure that you're cushioned against that and you can still afford to repay. And then the actual collateral, the security. So before I was talking about loan-to-value ratio, so that's the amount of your loan as a percentage of what the property's worth. Mm. And the higher that percentage is, so if you're borrowing 95%, for instance your Mm. lender risk is greater than if you're borrowing 80% or 60%. And a lot of lenders will also price their product like that. So Macquarie, for instance, under 60%, so much better as a rate than at over 80%. Mm. Significant difference in the rates you can get. And they're not the only lender that does that. There's quite a few. That equity position is really important, like I often say, Mm. to first-home buyers especially, to, to try not to pay lenders mortgage insurance if they can avoid it. But again, sometimes if people are getting into the market for a reason, then mm. they pay the, pay the LMI and then they'll, they'll make yeah. that back over time. What's your 101 with lenders mortgage insurance? So I have a series of questions because I actually think mm. of a racket. There's no high default rates on high LVR properties. Mm. So it's very hard to get the information from the mortgage insurers. But if you dig down, they're all publicly listed companies. If you really dig through it, you can find it. There's very few defaults. There's very few payouts on those loans. 
So I think it's a bit of a racket. I will always ask a, a first home buyer if their parents can offer anything as security. And then uh, recently we've had the first home lenders deposit scheme, which we have used for quite a few of our first home mm. buyers, which is great. But that's not saying I haven't written, you know, 98% lens for clients and got them into their first home because if they're buying in the right area, getting into the property market rather than waiting another six months to save another $20,000, it can be a great time to buy and mm. you can see some of these properties and you think, okay, if you leave that for six months, there's a possibility that it's going to increase in value significantly which means that your position is going to stay the same. You're still going to be borrowing 98%. You're not going to get a better deal by waiting to save more. Exactly. And we've talked property on this podcast series before, so people can go and check that out. But it is really that there's heaps of different market movements and forces going on. So it's about doing your numbers at the end of the day and mm. talking either to someone like you or, or talking to people's banks to say, right, mm. what, what am I clear on? Do I know how much my repayments are going to be? Do I know what it's going to cost? And yeah. probably moving into that investment space then. So if people are looking to buy their first investment property or, or buy a next investment property. Now, you touched on, this is probably the other loaded question, the cross-collateralization where assets are all held by one institution versus not crossing your debt. So what's your, and again, not holding you to this, Phoebe, but well, according to Phoebe, what's the way to do that? It depends on what your actual situation is. So mm. if you've got equity in your home, there are two things that you can do. You can have a single loan and have it against your home and the new investment property, mm. and then they're cross-collateralised. You can normally take out a loan against your home, so borrow some of that money against your home and then borrow the rest of it against the investment property. So that can also work quite well. Hmm. I, I'm not married to either, really. I I do have a lot of clients that don't like cross collateralizing. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. It depends what you want to build up with your investment portfolio as well. So if you're looking to buy ten houses in the next five years, which people do come to me and say that that's what their plan is, then I'd be separating that from your home as quickly as I possibly could because it's sort of like building a house of cards. But yep. if it's you know one or two investment properties and there's a clear and defined strategy and you, you're paying off your home loan first and then you're going to pay off your investment properties so they're not going to be tied together forever, it can work because it's giving you significant savings. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've touched on all these little elements today, but are there any sort of parting tips that you would suggest to people to, to have a look at when they're renegotiating or, again, is, is now a good time to be uh, reviewing lending in the scheme of things with sort of COVID happening in the background? and. Yes. It is such a good time to be reviewing things. So at the moment, I've been able to get a couple of clients like 2% off their standard variable rate. So the way that the banks do pricing is they've got a standard variable rate and then they've got what's on offer for you. So then your mortgage broker or yourself can go back to your lender and try and renegotiate down for a lower and lower amount. I've got a couple of family friends that I don't do their broking for them, but I will every year give them a list of what I've been able to achieve at different lenders so that they can go back to their own lender and say, hey, if we leave to go somewhere else, they're going to give us this rate. Yeah. Gives them, just gives them a bit of a window. And it's easy to do that sort of stuff. Just ring up a couple of lenders and say, look, I want to borrow a million dollars. I've got property worth two million. What discount are you going to give me? Or whatever your circumstances mm. are. Yeah, yeah. You can take yeah. that back to your own bank and see what they say. 
it's worth that phone call like again with bills but even with your mortgage like people yeah. don't often have that conversation with their lenders and say hey mm. give me a better and rate particularly in this rate environment lenders rely on that so it's yeah. very interesting that in the last november rate drop not a lot of lenders passed that on not a lot of lenders changed their variable rates they dropped their fixed rates right down but they haven't changed their variable rates. And often they'll change a headline variable rate but not change the variable rate for their existing customers. So keeping an eye on your interest rate, yeah, very important. And the comparison rate is probably the key thing, isn't that? So it's, it's yeah. basically the thing that says, right, your comparison rate is to mm. compare with all fees and charges yeah. like with like loans. And I guess that yeah. was something that was regulated or legislated to try and help make some of this mortgage stuff a little bit more Clarity. clear. Yeah, I think that's a, a great tip. And I guess touching on that, the Reserve Bank with the interest rates, they, they make that announcement every Tuesday of the month to give an indication of what they're feeling the vibe of the economy is. And so people often see it directly in their, their back pocket with their mortgages if they've got mm-hmm. debt that they're borrowing. But it's also that mechanism to try and encourage others in the economy. So a part of the latest rate reduction was actually about saying to governments internally within Australia, here's some infrastructure spending as well, like borrow Mm. money from us to spend money on infrastructure and to actually get things moving. So it is quite an interesting, uh, I guess it's very linked in many other levels. Interesting, uh, they they noted, I think, the other day that they weren't going to raise rates for probably about another three years. So hence the plethora of four-year fix because you think Mm. that's what government's getting the money for, that's also what banks are getting the money for. Yeah, and again, that's what's built into a mortgage. So when you unpack that and say, right, well, interest rate is where the Reserve Bank is lending money to people and then mm-hmm. on top of that is in the, the clips for the banks and all those sort of yep. things. Look, Phoebe, it's been great to have you along today and appreciate your insights as always. Uh, oh, well, actually, I should congratulate you. You're, you're about to launch a, uh, a book, aren't you? Yes, yes, we've got the book. We, should we give it a bit of a, a wrap? Yes, definitely give me a bit of a wrap. It's a happy money journey. It is very pretty hot pink book love it um that comes with its own workbook and is about setting up yourself to be able to make really good money decisions because you can see what your money is doing and just teaching you how to use it a little better than you probably are at the moment that's fantastic phoebe i I love that and look i'll put all your contact details in the show notes i know you're uh, pretty active on instagram and you you do a lot of stuff on youtube as well don't you yeah we do we do a lot on youtube great resources out there there's heaps of information when it comes to the the debt side of things but look it's really about going through that process again you might hear phoebe or i talking about million dollar loans or two million dollars worth of debt and it's just about getting your comfort with that as well make sure mm-hmm. you do your numbers like again it's all about the the context into why you're doing something if you are investing buying property or shares and make sure that it's a, a part of your framework and foundation at the end of the day uh, mortgage brokers can add a lot of value to that decision process because they're not just aligned to one institution so they can again look yes. at the market but also get all the structuring right for you as well mm-hmm.